to Natural MD Radio, your place to hear the whole truth on health and medicine for women and children and get the tools you need to take back your health naturally starting now. I'm Dr. Aviva Ram. Hi, everybody, and welcome to Natural MD Radio. I have a special guest with me today, my friend, Dr. Deanna Minnick, who is an internationally recognized health expert with more than 20 years of experience in nutrition, mind-body health, and functional medicine. Dr. Minnick holds master's and doctoral degrees in nutrition and has lectured extensively throughout the world on health topics, teaching patients and health professionals about nutrition. She's a fellow of the American College of Nutrition, a certified nutrition specialist, and a certified functional medicine practitioner. Currently, Dr. Minnick teaches for the Institute of Functional Medicine and for the graduate program in functional medicine at the University of Western States. Her passion is bringing forth a whole self approach to nourishment and bridging the gaps between science, soul, and art in medicine. So it's no surprise that her book is called The Whole Detox. And I have to tell you, ladies who are listening, after a while, I don't know about you, but I get tired of the word detox because it just makes me feel like there's always something more we have to do or always something more we have to clean out. But Deanna takes a really different spin on detox than the average bear out there writing in the land of health and wellness. And that's why I brought her on today. Deanna's book, The Whole Detox, which is coming out, and Deanna's whole life and work are committed to the whole woman, the whole person. Deanna, welcome to the show. It's a pleasure to have you here. Thanks, Aviva. And what a lovely intro. I, I love how you said that because I'm also really tired of that word detox. <laughs> so so tell me, that up. of course. So tell me how you came to write this book, Whole Detox, when in fact, you also bristle and we're friends. We talk about this. You also bristle at the left and right detoxes out there. You know, I do because detox means so many things to so many people. So like you said, it's anything from juicing to drinking lemon juice and water and whether it's a master cleanse or whatever it is. And then you have other detoxes on the other side of the spectrum, which are looking at food and supplements and you know, I think that there's everything in between. There are saunas, there's activity and different things to help you sweat. And, you know, there's all of that. And I'm used to working within that realm. And I have as a functional medicine nutritionist for quite some years. In fact, I worked with, as you know, you know, Jeff Bland and Jeff is the, the father of functional medicine. And I worked in his clinic. We did lots of work on nutritional detox. He's even published papers on it. So what I was noticing as people would go through nutritional detoxes, and we would use things like medical foods and supplements, is that their lives would change. So I would have people that, you know, here they are doing this detox with their supplement regimen. And all of a sudden now, two weeks in, they're thinking about ending this relationship that they've been in for a really long time. Or maybe leaving their jobs because they, they just realize how toxic their jobs are. Or realizing how they have all this emotional baggage that they haven't dealt with from their childhood. So I started to realize that all of this stuff was percolating as people would go through a detox. So that's why I put together Whole Detox because it felt like, 
you know, we do need something a bit broader. And I did use the detox word because to me, a toxin is anything that stands in the way of our growth and healing. So that could be anything. It could be a toxic chemical like a heavy metal or a plastic in our environment, but it could also be a toxic thought or a toxic relationship or just simply something that's not serving us. So that's how I see the word detox. Deanna, you and I have talked quite a bit, and you did a detox summit some years ago. We talked about this, that there is actually a physiologic process of detox. So when people talk about doing their juicing or doing their cleansing or doing their fasting, that's important. And traditional cultures have often had fasting days uh, where, you know, at the time of this show, we're coming on to Lent. I have a friend who is Ethiopian and his culture fasts a couple of times a year for a pretty lengthy time. And then uh, he cuts out all dairy and all meat two days a week. So the concept of cutting back on heavy food and kind of giving our body maybe a rest and digest phase is an important aspect of detox. Then there's also the aspect of detox of supporting our own natural biological functions, the work that's done in our liver to help our bodies get rid of uh, environmental toxins or even toxins from the breakdown of our own hormones. So let's talk about both of those, some of the more traditional approaches to getting your body into rest and digest where you're cutting back on something, but also how women can support that natural detox that our bodies do every day, every minute of the day. Yeah, wonderful. So let's cover the first one um, about fasting, because I think that this is a really hot topic in functional medicine now. And if we look at things like, you know, I'm seeing papers, scientific papers published on things like intermittent fasting, which is essentially just having a breather of about 12 to 16 hours um, during the night time phase before starting to eat again the next day. So a, a lot of practitioners I'm talking with are using this for their patients. And I've used it with some people, but I don't think it's for everybody. But what I like about it symbolically, if we look at nature, to me, I break apart nature into yin and yang, into essentially feminine and masculine. And there is this contraction and expansion that happens naturally throughout the year, right? Which is why we think about a cleanse or a detox usually when the seasons are changing. So we move through that portal of moving from expansion to contraction or vice versa. So I think fasting can be good for certain people because when we release certain things in our environment, we go through that fasting, something starts to happen within us, I think, spiritually. We move out of the body and really into the non-physical parts of us. And that could be perhaps, as I mentioned, an intermittent fast, which is done more on a daily basis. Or some people like to do this, and I do this within the whole detox program. The last three days of the 21 days, I focus on what's called spirit so the caloric intake is a little bit lighter those days. And I have funky recipes like divine broth. And, you know, we we have like the heavenly hash or, you know, we, we have a, a number of different fun dishes, but they're relatively simple and not very calorically dense. So I do incorporate that whole idea as people are going through those last three days. So, and I do think that there are benefits. I mean, people's, you know, when we're, when we're in this place of excess, 
And Aviva, you know that many of us are, right? Whether it's too much work excess, too much relationship and interpersonal excess, it helps to kind of step back. And I think that when we do that with food, we do that with our lives too. One of the things that I encourage my patients to do is to get an adequate dinner so that their dinner fills them. And if they can, some people can't because they work night shifts, for example, but if they can, to really stop eating around seven o'clock and even in the winter, sometimes a little bit earlier when the sun goes down, because even if you're not practicing intermittent fasting per se, where you're going 12 hours without eating intentionally or doing, let's say a one day a week, lighter eating regimen, really that 7 p.m. to 7 or so a.m. is a 12-hour fast, and it lets our cortisol reset itself without being focused on such heavy digestion. So I think we could even incorporate that by being mindful of getting into a rest and digest phase at night. And we can even do some things like detoxing, if you will, from being addicted to electronics all night long and things that kind of bring our nervous system back into an easier, more restful space. What do you think about that? Yes, to everything you said. And what's really interesting is that there's a new term that is even being tossed about now. It's called NES, nighttime eating syndrome. And I think that this is part of the bane of our society when people are working long and then they come home at like eight uh, or even later and then they eat and then they have a full stomach, then they go to bed. And, you know, we can't really properly sleep. And If you ask anybody after they've had a meal and then they go to bed, you know, usually the sleep is not very good. Their dreams are very intense. They wake up intermittently throughout the night. So, yeah, I think we have to do all those things. And if it's not about food, then it's about turning off the TV, turning off computers. Oh, my gosh. You know, like changing our our melatonin through the, the blue lights. So I think that the takeaway here is that even though I'm talking about a 21 day program within Whole Detox, it really has to be personalized. This is the age of personalized medicine, uh, I think more than anything else, especially with all the handheld devices and such. So, and that's why I bring a quiz into the, the detox program to figure out, you know, where do you need to focus? Is it the nighttime eating ritual? Is it more your stress level? Is it more self-love? Is it more about your body? You know, and there are all different ways to do that, of course. Absolutely. I've had quite a number of patients come in with night eating syndrome. And interestingly, I I just saw a patient in my practice yesterday. She's waking up and particularly with night eating syndrome, it's not just you're binging in the evening, but you actually go to sleep and then you wake up because you're so hungry. And the women I've seen with this are all often skimping at dinner, they're eating a much lighter diet. They're doing a lot of detoxing. They're doing a lot of kind of uh, caloric restriction, maybe some orthorexia. And often what they're craving when they wake up at night is fats. And so with this night eating syndrome, there are some complexities to it. And there seem to be some actually melatonin, 5-HTP, some of these neurotransmitters supporting nutrients can help. But that even to me suggests that there's stress in the system, partly perhaps from not actually eating enough sometimes. Yeah. Well, if I think of back to Ayurvedic tradition and, um, much of whole detox is based in uh, ancient tradition, looking at the the seven different energy systems of the body. 
They would say, eat breakfast like a prince, lunch like a king, and dinner like a pauper. It's actually a little bit different than what you described. And just because, you know, having that metabolic fire burning bright in the middle of the day when we have lots of activity. And again, I think it has to be personalized because some people work a little bit later. They don't start until, you know, maybe 12 o'clock or 2 o'clock. So we have to shift that depending on our own internal rhythm. But I think it's true. I, I think we have to be uh, in tune with that, make sure that we do have enough to eat. And a detox for me is not about skimping on calories per se. You know, that's never the case where we, we do a, I, I never give people a set amount of calories for anything. And in fact, I don't like to do that for, for any program I do, even if it's not a detox, because what I have seen, and we've even done clinical trials on this, is that when you get people eating whole foods, they actually eat less. And it's because they have a lot of fiber and a lot of other things that are filling them up that don't necessarily have the caloric burden. So if you want, we can talk about supporting the detox pathways in the body. I know that you had asked about that in, in your two-part question, the, the organs of detox and, and what do we do within whole detox to support these, these staple organs? Absolutely, because I know one of the things that you and I are both very keen on is using food first, using food as medicine. And it doesn't mean that we don't sometimes want to include supplements to support detoxification, if some, especially if somebody has a lot of health conditions going on. But what are some of the day-to-day -day things that our listeners can do, Deanna, to naturally support liver detoxification, support the skin, support elimination, all these organs that keep us healthy and keep toxins literal toxins from the environment moving out of us, but also when we're physically less inflamed and less burdened by toxins, I believe we have more emotional and social resilience as well. I think so too. So let, let me give you five tips. We'll go through the five organs and I'll give you one tip for each. And of course we could go into many different tips for each, but let's just do five because that's a, just a nice number and it parallels the different detox organs. So the first one that I think of is the gut. And so the, the gut, of course, if we think of this, the stool eliminating um, fecal matter, wanting to get most of that, that stuff out of us and make sure that we have the healthy bacteria within us. So one thing just to look at is your, your elimination pattern. You know, I think it's kind of um, crazy, but some people don't even realize that we need to be having something on the order of one to two bowel movements a day or maybe just one. And for some people, they think it's normal to have one every other day or one every third day or one every week. I remember having a patient like that. Um, so looking at our elimination pattern and then adjusting, looking at our foods that we're taking in, looking to see if we need more fiber and more water. And then emotionally speaking, looking at what we need to let go of. So I see the different organs, not just in physical terms, but also psychological terms. The next one is the liver. And the liver is, I liken it to the general of the body. It tells all the other organs what to be doing. It's very action oriented. So your liver loves activity. And even in Chinese medicine, uh, there's lots of talk about liver chi stagnation if we have lots of congestion. And that might look like fatty liver, elevated liver enzymes, or just lots of fat running around in our blood. So what do we do for our liver, especially for women? Women are very prone to having a stagnant liver for various reasons. So what you can do from a supplemental point of view is 
there are several different things that you can take. Um, and one of my favorites is an herb called milk thistle. It's not for everybody and it can rev up certain pathways in the liver that helps speed the transit of, of things out of the liver. So if you're on certain medications, you just have to be careful because milk thistle can impact some of the enzymes that some of the drugs go through. But if you're working with a practitioner, you can adjust and, and look at different doses of, of different herbs for that that reason. So I like milk thistle. I like dandelion tea. I like, in, in fact, I like a lot of teas for the liver. I like them because they're, you know, we could see them as supplements. There's something in between food and a supplement and they tend to be more gentle. So green tea is phenomenal. It's what we call a bifunctional modulator. So it helps with multiple phases of detox in the liver. So just doing even a cup of green tea. And then most importantly, from the, the psychological side, asking yourself what needs action. So for a lot of women, if you're angry, you know, you're just feeling pissed off, how do you release that? You know, and I've noticed that in doing detox programs with people, they do get upset. You know, a lot of things start flying and it's good because if that stuff is just nestled within and we're, we're making a home for it in our cells, that's going to be pretty toxic. So looking to see where we need more action. The third one is the lungs. Really easy with the lungs, taking a deep breath. It's free and it's really effective. And in fact, um, I know most of us get carried away thinking about heavy metals and such when we think of toxins, but really the biggest form of toxicity is our air and having pollutants in the air. So that's great, big, huge. So having an air filter at home if possible, but just really focusing on deep breathing can be helpful. The kidneys, is that's number four. And the kidneys are all about fear. So looking at um, doing one thing that, that kind of scares you might be kind of an interesting activity to do within whole detox. So looking at what what really creates all the fear in your life? And then more physically speaking, getting more water and getting things flowing through your urine. You know, one of the things that I did when I was at the Functional Medicine Research Center was we did a whole study on pH. So looking at the acid alkaline balance in the body relative to how we detoxify. And it's really interesting because urine has a huge zone of like 5.5 to, gosh, it could go up to like nine uh, in terms of its pH value. So it's it's very flexible. It can change a lot. So for certain things, we want the urine to be a little bit more alkaline so that things get released. And this is pretty well known in pharmacokinetics. You know, it's not for everything. Sometimes we want an acidic urine. So with a detox, what tends to happen is we tend to get a little bit more alkaline in our urine, especially if we're eating cruciferous vegetables. And that's another detox powerhouse. Then the last one is the skin. And I'm saving the best for last. You know, the skin is one that I personally have challenges with. You know, I, I have Irish heritage and I have sensitive skin. So I've always been in tune with the skin, really looking out for ways that I can make my skin better and less reactive to foods. What I would say about the skin is that anything that you can do to make yourself sweat is going to be essential for eliminating toxins. In fact, there was an excellent study called the BUS study, and BUS stands for Blood, Urine, and Sweat. This was done by Dr. Stephen Jenis at the University of Alberta. And essentially what he found was that there were compounds released in the sweat that wouldn't otherwise come through the stool or the urine, so or even 
you know, there were no other ways for it to come out. So when you exercise, you know, think of it even as, uh, you know, you're getting multiple things at once. Not only are you getting your heart rate up and getting things moving in the body, you're also getting rid of toxins. So sweating is a really big deal. And me personally, and what I've recommended for certain patients, especially patients with a lot of arthritis, is to get a sauna if you can. You know, it's it's usually like a $1,000 to $1,500 investment. You know, there are, of course, fancy saunas, but I don't think you need to get fancy. You're not in them very long. I, I always try to find like what what is really necessary, right? And I think just the sweating part is more important than the actual, you know, trying to find the perfect sauna. So if you can get a sauna and just have that as part of your investment to good health, I think it can be really good for certain people. Deanna, you mentioned that um, when women start to do these detox programs, things start to come up. It reminds me of a funny story of a really dear friend of mine whose wife at the time was actually doing a detox and she was taking some Chinese herbs that support the liver. They reduce inflammation. They move what in Chinese medicine is called liver chi, which is what often gets stagnant in women that can cause irritability and PMS symptoms from a, from a physical level. But something does happen when we start to move our own stuck energy. And I think we get less, as we get healthier and feel our own vibrancy more, some of the sort of junk in our lives becomes less tolerable. We become more aware of it. Just like when you stop eating sugar for a couple of months and you taste it, you realize it's not good for you. And so this woman, this friend yeah. of, um, of mine, his wife was doing this detox and she actually put a sign on the front door because a lot of stuff was coming up for her one day. And so when he got home from work, there was a sign on the front door that said, warning, don't come in, woman doing detox under the influence of bupleural. <laughs> it's like, <laughs> Really good self-awareness there. <laughs> so how do, you, how do you support women? Uh, I mean, I kind of know what I do in my practice, but I do find it challenging. You know, I, I have actually a couple of times literally written, you know, divorce may be advised. And of course, I don't ever want to go there with someone. I don't want to wreck up someone's life. But sometimes someone comes to me and everything that they're telling me, they're it just leads back to a level of dissatisfaction that doesn't seem reconcilable. And it may be a job. It may be a relationship with a friend that isn't healthy anymore. So how do you go about that when you're working with women, they're doing a program with you and they're like, you know, I just can't take this S H you know what anymore. Yeah. Well, you know, it's, um, what I try to do as best as possible within whole detox is create awareness and for some women, they don't even have that level of awareness. And then they get into the program. And like you said, you know, things start flying. And so what that's why I like to do these these programs in group settings, because what starts to happen is you get this this community, this tribe. And all of a sudden, all these other women start chiming in like, yeah, I agree. You know, I have these challenges or there might be other women that chime in and say, well, you know, here, here might be a strategy to help, you know, maybe they don't have that challenge or they've worked out something for themselves. So I rely on sociogenomics. I really rely on the network itself to support the individual and it, and it works, it works really beautifully. And, and usually by 
gosh, like the, it, when we're about seven days in, this is where I start to see a lot of emotional release. That seven to 10 day window out of the 21 day whole detox program is the catalyst. You start seeing that people are telling their stories. Gosh, I can't even tell you how many really personal private stories have come forward. And when one person does it out of the hundreds that participate in the, in the program, then all of a sudden there's like this chain reaction, the door has been opened and then we get this, this cascade. So what I think is really important is for women to, to engage in truth telling, and maybe it's not having to do anything about it at that one moment, but they need to tell and, and have their truth witnessed. That's super important for women. And I think that part of the liver cheese stagnation comes from not moving our truth through us. And so what does it do? It stagnates, it festers, it gets really upset, it turns into depression, might go into rage, who knows where it will go. But when these women are heard by the community that are doing whole detox, it really does change the dynamic. And I've had that feedback over and over again. I love that. How do you create um, community within your detox groups? So I have a, um, a closed Facebook page in which we have all the private discussions. So the program is done via webinar. So we have live webinars with experts. And then we jump into the day-to-day within emails and also within um, the Facebook group. And the Facebook group is where we have a lot of the sharing. Of course, we have a lot of people that are brave enough to speak on the live webinars and to have their questions raised or to tell their stories. And we've had some, some people do that. But I think that where a lot of it unfolds is truly in the Facebook closed page because they know it's safe. You know, once they've, especially people that have gone through it a number of times with me, they, they know the, the protocol, they know how things work. They're very, they feel easy and open. And so we get these stories and being that it's, it's virtual that people can participate in this way. I think sometimes that people are more free to say things that they wouldn't otherwise say in person. So, and in fact, there's, there's even a study on that where they showed that doing virtual coaching, uh, working with people did better than in person, just because people could be more honest. You know, they didn't feel as bad. They didn't have to worry about how they looked per se, or, you know, what they were doing. So there, there's something about this group dynamic, even in a virtual setting that is truly powerful. It really is. There's also some really interesting data that shows that who we connect with socially has an impact on our body weight and our mood. And it's not just who we're impacting socially with day to day. It can be who we're impacting socially with on social media. So having everyone who's really supporting each other going in the same direction, it really starts to create this sort of morphogenetic field of energy that mutually supports each other. And as people are starting to get results, there's sort of a, you know, like a group contact high that, that can happen at a distance. That's very powerful. It's exciting that you're doing that. I love it. I just want to say one more thing on that, Aviva, because it's really pertinent to women. And it's something I see time and time again, and I'm sure you see this too, is that usually when women um, start developing health crises, they might be in their thirties, fifties or forties, and their partner, spouse, or significant other maybe is not in the same direction. So they really need that sense of camaraderie even more. It's almost like, you know, they feel alone. And I hear this a lot from whether it's mothers and daughters or just friends are just start to change uh, because people are just aren't in alignment anymore. 
So I think it's really important to have that sense of community. And, and that's what I hear time and time again, people going through the program. Oh my gosh, I found my tribe. I feel like I can share myself and really be who I am and not have to hide or, you know, just feel ashamed for eating a certain way or living a certain way. I heard a quote the other day. I think maybe uh, Brené Brown said it, somebody said it like, uh, you know, kind of in that kind of self-help space about why are you going to the hardware store expecting to get milk and then getting mad at the hardware store that it doesn't have milk. And what it was about is expecting other people to give you something that's really not in their capacity to give. And it kind of gets to a little bit of that conversation. And of course, there are all different kinds of men and all different kinds of women, but it gets a little bit back to that sort of John Gray, women are from Venus and men are from Mars. And I'm sure there are men that do online you know, detoxes, but as women, we really do love that kind of feedback, that encouragement, that connect connectivity. And we can't always get that from our spouse, particularly if your partner is the opposite sex. And so I think that the beauty of women creating networks and groups of doing work together, even if it's women who, you know, girlfriends or moms and daughters or sisters who, for example, get your book and try to do the program together. We saw a tremendous benefit from that with the work that um, Mark Hyman and Daniel Amen did with Saddleback Church. I mean, there was literally tens of thousands of pounds of weight that were lost in a, in small groups, uh, doing a diet program and a lifestyle change program together. Yeah, it's true. And, um, you know, there are men too, that need support. And we've had a number of men in the detox program. And, you know, I think that they, you know what I think it is, Aviva, there's something about the masculine and the feminine in our society that, we need to look at because there's something really out of balance there. So for women, yeah, expressing their femininity, I think is important and to have that in alignment and in balance. And for men to know that it's okay for them to be um, connected to their feminine selves. You know, I have every year in January, I do a seven day women's only detox. And it's so funny because I'll get a handful of men who want to be part of it. I love it. (laughs) You know, I think that are just craving. They, they want that sense of, and I know the men that do um, try to get into the program, you know, they're, they've been uh, in other programs. So I know that they're just craving that connection. So it's as much as part of men as it is a, as part of women. It's not something that only women have. And, and I think really, and truly in our overall society, we have to look at that balance between masculine and feminine. And let's talk about that because I know both of us are really kind of we're both very intellectual women. We're both business owners. We're, we're pretty hardcore. Don't necessarily meet sort of the classic definition of feminine, but just for our listeners, when you and I talk about feminine, we're talking about uh, a number of qualities that have sort of been classically attributed to the feminine, but don't necessarily only have to do with women. Similarly, more of that sort of Athena kind of trait that we embody in our intellectual aspect of ourselves has been more attributed to a masculine trait. So when you and I are talking about feminine, a lot of times we're talking about using our intuition, listening into our bodies, that receptive mode, the connection to others, the connection to nature, and also to art. 
what are some of the things that you're uh, feeling or thinking or describing when you talk about feminine qualities? Well, I see it as a spectrum, much like I see everything else in life. And so I even did a goddess detox um, back this, this past January, where I had the women figure out their goddess types, because I, I think that, you know, some of us are a little bit more, you know, what we wouldn't consider quote unquote, stereotypical feminine, right? So I think of an Artemis or a Diana type who is very goal oriented. She likes to romp around in nature. She's kind of a tomboy. She's athletic and she's not necessarily seen in the eyes of, you know, kind of global society as being very feminine. But then you have the Demeter type who is very earthy, very into food and being in the kitchen and um, preparing meals and, so, you know, you have all these types. And I believe that um, if I look at the work of Angelus Arian, who is a cultural anthropologist, really looking at these these threads of goddesses and archetypes and Jean Shinoda Bolin, which, yes. you know, she wrote a, a fabulous book on goddesses and every woman and every woman. And we contain all of them. It's just a matter of how they express through us and what's being brought out. But, you know, it's a spectrum. And so where are we on that spectrum? Who are we? I think that's really the crux of it and and really coming to terms with that more than trying to be certain characteristics, right? And and say, but yeah, you're what you spoke of in terms of the qualities of what it means to be feminine more in the yin sense makes sense, right? The qualities of I think of more the nighttime than the daytime. I think of the moon and emotions more than the sun. I think of uh water as the element more than fire. So when I think of masculine, I think of things that are, you know, kind of the the fiery, linear, has a trajectory rather than being a circle. So I think of it very metaphorically, but that can manifest in women in different ways throughout the different archetypes. This brings me to a, just kind of a thought. Do you think that how we interpret our own lives or our own archetype or who we are influences the type of detox that might be best for us to engage in. Yeah, that's what we explored, actually, you know, and we we went through on the different days. So there were seven goddesses in seven days. And so <laughs> for some women, they really felt resonant with certain types and they were very goal oriented. They wanted food, they wanted numbers, and that was kind of their thing. And then for others, it was much more an emotional detox and they really wanted to play in the space of their creative expression and focus on artwork or song and dance. And for others, I noticed that they had more of an inclination towards family or um, even their partner, which is the Hera goddess, right? She's all about being committed to her husband and having that sense of loyalty. And I associate her with the throat chakra. So for each of the goddesses, I connected those to one of the chakras and then talked about, you know, what, what is the theme? What is the bigger message? But yeah, I mean, I think all programs should be personalized, which is why we do the questionnaire before we do whole detox. Deanna, one of the things that is so beautiful is that you connect food and color. And we've gotten so reductionist in our orientation to food. Uh, There's an expression that's in the world of food science now called nutritionism, where it's basically when we eat, we don't talk about our beautiful greens and our beautiful orange yams and our our golden millet. We talk about our starch, 
and our, you know, sources of leafy greens because we're seeking our antioxidants. You do something very different. You don't reduce, you don't ignore, I mean, you're a scientifically trained and competent nutritionist. You also bring in an entire other aspect of embracing food and food as beauty and food as color. And then also bringing in the relationship between what those nutrients represent and the colors. Talk to us about art and food and color and the importance of that for our health. Ooh, I love that question. <laughs> I know you do. Um, for a long time. <laughs> well, you know, it's really what I was born to do, I think, is my mission is to look at unifying opposites, which aren't really opposite. They're, they're actually very complementary. So when we think about food, I, I talk about three things. The first one is science and spirit. So kind of looking at the scientific nature of food, you know, the calories versus the spirit of food and talking about how it makes us feel. Then I talk about the literal meaning of food versus the symbolic meanings of food. So what is literal about food? You know, seeing it on the plate, but then what is symbolic? What does that food mean to you? What is your memory connected to that food? And actually, that one is my favorite because I love to look at disease and food symbolically. It tells us so much. And then the third one um, that I look at is poetry and practicality. So to think that a plate of food can be as much poetry as it can be practical, nourishment, you know, just something to, to get us through the day, give us some energy. And I think, you know, you're right. You know, how do we bring more of that into the picture or the, our relationship with food so that it's a little bit more yin and yang versus just yang, looking at it as just being practical, literal, and sciency. So hopefully, you know, that, that's what I'm trying to do with color. Color is what I see as the conduit between these seeming opposites. So color unifies all these things. So when with science and spirit, we can look at color as phytonutrients in food. So all the different colorful compounds, the thousands of different compounds, which may not have anything in the way of calories, but they may have effects in the way of things like cellular communication and signaling. And what, what's really interesting is that we're learning that these colorful compounds make their way into certain parts of the body to not just have you know, more structural roles, but functional roles. So in other words, if we're missing out on a color, we could be missing out on a function in our body that is only unique to that particular pigment or class of pigments. So I think about the average population, the color that most people are missing is blue-purple. So 88% of people, when surveyed, there was a 1,500-person study on this, 88% of people were missing out on blue-purple. Now, in my seven systems of health that I work with within Whole Detox, blue-purple aligns to the brain, to the Athena part of us. So <laughs> there's actual research that shows that if we're not getting in compounds from blueberries, like the blue-purple proanthocyanidins, these phytonutrients, then we could have reduced learning and memory because these compounds are shown to lodge into certain parts of the brain that are responsible for those executive functions. Deanna, I love your whole perspective, bringing in goddesses and art and color and our feminine and masculine energies. And it's beautiful. And science, bringing in really strong science. I love it. It's beautiful. And you bring this into your book, The Whole Detox. So please tell us 
how our readers can get your book and find more and get more of you. You can find me at um, deannaminick.com. So just my name. And then you'll see all the leads to Whole Detox on there. Or you can go to, I have a separate website for Whole Detox, which is whole, W-H-O-L-E dash detox.com. So you can buy the book everywhere. It's available. You can pre-order it, get it now. And we have a number of different bonus gifts for people that do pre-order it. The book launches on March 8th. So um, yeah, it's going to be exciting because right after the book launches, we're launching into a whole detox program on March 17th. So we'll have the, um, the great opportunity as a community to jump into the experience together and have the book as our guide. Wait, isn't that St. Patrick's Day? It is. <laughs> so, you're, so like, it's a perfect day for a green, it's it's it'll be your exactly. green detox launch. That's perfect. Even if you're listening to this podcast later on in the year or sometime down the road, you'll still be able to get Deanna's book, The Whole Detox. Check out Deanna's work. Her website is beautiful. It's colorful. She is lovely. You won't be disappointed. Deanna, thank you so much for joining me tonight. Oh, big hug to you, Aviva. It's been wonderful talking with you. Take care. Back at ya. I hope you enjoyed this episode of Natural MD Radio. If you did, please go to avivaram.com and join the conversation about the show on my blog. And while you're there, be sure to sign up for my newsletter. It's free and it's jam-packed with powerful tips to help you take back your health naturally. That's avivaram.com. Take care and see you next time.